Welcome to the Yin Yoga Podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Ryle. Now, it's true that you could go an entire lifetime of practicing yoga or yin yoga without ever knowing a single thing about science, without knowing anything about biomechanics or about pain science or about tissue behavior. But in my humble opinion, these things make practice so much richer, so much more interesting. These things add a whole universe to my practice, and I hope you've witnessed to my teaching. So on the podcast for this week, I wanted to dive a little bit into this tissue that we claim to be targeting in yin yoga, fascia. You might be surprised to learn about some of the wonderful capacities of fascia, things that maybe don't get enough attention when we just kind of gloss over fascia in a typical yin practice. What you will discover is that fascia has certain behaviors. It has a certain composition. And when we can learn to respect this in our practice, we can enhance our practice. We can begin to direct our practice toward our goals. So I want to offer a disclaimer here. This is a huge, massive topic. I have an entire yin training about fascia. There is so much to discuss, so many interesting aspects, and we will just barely scratch the surface in this podcast. But this is sort of the introductory information that I think any yin practitioner, any yin teacher could benefit from. And so that is what I offer for this podcast. So just sit back and listen. But before you do, will you just take a quick second here in your podcast app while you're already here, just to hit subscribe or follow or whatever you do on this particular app that you use. And please do take a moment to write a five-star review. These reviews not only really help me to find new wonderful listeners, but they also help me to understand what it is that's really working for you, what you really like about the podcast. As much as I love putting these episodes together for you, I do have to say that as a podcaster, sometimes I feel a little bit like I'm shouting into the dark. So those reviews also really help me to see, oh yeah, that's who you are and that's what's resonating with you. So anyone who has had really any amount of involvement in yin yoga practice has probably heard that yin yoga is all about targeting our fascia. Yin yoga is about influencing our yin tissues. So in contrast, the more yang or active styles of yoga are supposedly about influencing our more yang tissues like muscle, right? So muscle does stuff. It's got all these motor units that help to contract and move our limbs, right? Whereas connective tissues are much denser. Connective tissues have relatively few motor units, 
we are learning from science that there is some contractile ability of some areas of connective tissue, but it's not really enough to, you know, deadlift or even to lift a cup of tea to your face. So what is fascia then? If it's this plastic tissue that we're influencing, what the heck is it? I'd like to talk about that in this podcast to see if we can, first of all, learn a little bit more about what this tissue is so that we may influence it or train it a little bit better in our practice. I find that there is a lot of misinformation about fascia. And while it is not my habit to try to prove anyone wrong, I figure that on the Yin Yoga podcast, we can have a discussion so maybe we can understand a little bit better to the aim of enhancing Yin practice. So fascia is actually a connective tissue. What is connective tissue? Connective tissue is any tissue that connects or supports or binds or separates other tissues or even organs. Connective tissue could be as sinewy and dense and tough as a ligament, or it could be as amorphous as a membrane. Connective tissue is stuff like your ligaments, tendons, fascia, your bones, but actually even your blood is considered a connective tissue. So fascia, like the other connective tissues in your body, has a very interesting biological structure. So unlike, for example, a muscle, fascia has relatively few cells. Fascia is mostly water and collagen, which are like little strands of protein. It also has a lot of elastin. Those are other fibers. It has various enzymes and immune cells. Fascia links every single cell in your body. Every single cell. Even your muscles. So when we talk about muscles in any kind of yoga, what we're really referring to, the lived experience of muscle is actually myofascia because fascia can make up to 30% of the mass of a muscle. So good luck trying to move your body, stretch your body, strengthen your body, run, jump rope, do the dishes without experiencing your fascia. It is absolutely ubiquitous in the body. It's also densely populated, populated with nerve endings and inherently linked to your autonomic nervous system. Autonomic nervous system is the always on nervous system. It's always monitoring your surroundings and the internal workings of your body to keep you safe, safe and maintain homeostasis. But it's also really important for your somatic nervous system. So it is densely populated with receptors and nerve endings, which e even in your musculoskeletal system, which regulate posture and joint position, mind-body communication, not to mention proprioceptive information. So your fascia helps you figure out where and how your body is in space. So it is a major influencer of your movement, your motor planning, and even your posture. 
Fascia is really interesting, like all connective tissues, because it displays the properties of both a solid and a liquid. So it has essentially what we call viscoelastic properties, which display viscoelastic behaviors. And these behaviors, my friend, I think are what we need to understand in our yin practice. This is where we can really enhance the experience of yin practice, I think, is by having a little bit of rudimentary awareness of viscoelastic behaviors. Fascia has something called a thixotrophic effect, which is basically the property of a substance to decrease its viscosity when shaken or stirred or heated. And then solidify when left to stand. So a viscous liquid that you may be familiar with is honey, right? So when you put honey in the microwave, it gets really liquidy, almost like water, right? So it doesn't have very much viscosity when warm, but if it sits in your cabinet for a day, a month, a year, (laughs) it gets thicker, right? It, it, it displays more of the qualities of a solid. So you can actually pick it up in a spoon and turn that spoon over and it doesn't go anywhere. So your fascia has some behaviors like this, where when it's been very still for a while, it behaves a little bit more like a solid. And when you've been moving around or you're really hot, it behaves more like a liquid. So this is why I... I like to say that yin is a cool practice because we know that we can have more influence over our fascia when our body is a little bit cooler. So anybody who has ever been to a yin class has probably had that sort of uncomfortable experience of the the teacher sort of going into a pose which you sometimes wish that you could warm up before doing, right? Where you're like, man, last week I did this in vinyasa and it was fine, but here I'm, I'm cool and I'm really struggling with this position. It's very, very uncomfortable, feels very, very tight. I'm not able to go as far as I usually do. This, my friend, is because of the thixotrophic effect of connective tissues. So when cool, all of our tissues actually are a little bit more sluggish. But when warm, our thixotrophic tissues like fascia, those are going to pose less resistance. Another reason to be a little bit cooler when you do your yin practice is that we know that when muscle is warm, its peak force is higher and quicker. So In layman's terms, that basically means that your muscle is going to react. It's going to contract during that stretch if you're a little bit more warmed up. So that would make it harder for you to potentially target your connective tissue, right? If your muscle is going to sort of contract before you can really um, elongate or stress that connective tissue, So this is why I think we say that yin yoga is a cool practice, 
but also that it targets our fascia. However, none of us are walking into a yin class after taking our temperature, right? None of us are going to practice yin in a 50-degree room. Often we're doing yin at the end of the day when we're, our body is at the warmest. So is it really possible to target connective tissue knowing that it surrounds every single cell? This is a bit of a controversial topic, I will say. There has been a little bit of social media back and forth very recently about just this topic. Can we target connective tissue? Based on this science, I think that no, we can't target any particular tissue in the body. And I would also ask, why is it important to target one or the other? Ultimately, don't we have specific goals and aspirations that we come to this practice with? And if we can reach those goals, does it matter which tissue was targeted? So let's talk a little bit about these viscoelastic phenomenon and how those influence our practice, how we experience those phenomenon in our very own body. So as I mentioned, fascia has a viscosity like honey, but it also has an elasticity. So let's just get something really really straight here. The biomechanical quality of elasticity is not the same as we think of in just like the general population. So usually we think of elastic as something that's really flexible. That's actually not the case. Elastic simply means one thing, the ability of a material to return to its previous shape when unloaded. So for example, you stretch out your elastic waistband and when you let go of that stretch, it comes right back to its previous shape. So your connective tissues, believe it or not, also have this capacity. So they display the qualities of something that is both viscous and also elastic. Now, the ability of fascia to slowly deform under load, or in the yin practice, a stretch, right, is called creep. I think that the reason why it's so important to practice yin poses with a very gentle hand is because creep requires a manageable load. So if the load is manageable, the fascia will gradually adapt to it in appropriate ways. And then once that load is removed, it will gradually return back to its original shape or you could say creep back. When we have loads that are unmanageable for any variety of reasons, that's when we would potentially risk a tissue not being able to return to its previous unloaded state. And this is really interesting because, of course, you know that all of these tissues, your tendons and your muscle and your fascia are now just all glommed together in the body. They are not separate at all. And yet each of these tissues has its own special behavior. So your muscle, for example, can stretch quite a bit. The peak strain of, 
muscle fiber bundles is about 54, 54% with failure at about 75%. So think about a tissue that will stretch to over half of its resting length and even more before actually ultimately failing. Okay. So I think we could probably say that in our yin poses, muscle is probably not the limiting factor if that's the case, right? Your forward fold, you'd have to fold down between your legs and back up and through in order to get to over half of the resting length of that muscle, right? Now, of course, you can't do anything with muscle without it is its associated tendon also being a part of the experience, tendon doesn't stretch very far at all, maybe like mm, 4%. It is far less adaptable than muscle. um, And it's even less adaptable than fascia, but tendon can compensate its stiffness with the lengthening of the muscle because those two work together in the body. Now let's compare these two, which are absolutely a part of your experience in a yin pose with fascia. So the peak strain of fascia is about 27% on average, less or more, depending on where you find it in the body. So 27% versus 54%. So that would indicate that long before you reach the peak of how far your muscle could stretch, your fascia has already limited you. This isn't a bad thing. This is just how you function. So each of these tissues is a part of the experience that you have in your pose. However, the connective tissue or the fascia is the only one that is displaying this behavior of creep. So it kind of slowly adapts during the duration of the stretch. Now, I am not familiar with any other yoga practice which would have you hold a position passively, that is without the muscle pulling or contracting, right? That's going to have you hold a position passively for a long period of time. That is yin, right? That is the experience of yin. And so in yin, alone, we intentionally creep our tissues. Now, you're creeping your tissues, maybe if you're sitting in your car listening to this podcast, I certainly am creeping my tissues as I've been sitting and recording this podcast. Our tissues are creeping all the time. This is an important function in our body. It's only in yin, though, where we do this intentionally. And now that you've listened to this podcast, you'll hopefully be doing it very intentionally. So the reason I really want to mention creep to you is because we have a bit of an image problem in yin where, and I hear this all the time as someone who, who runs yin teacher trainings and I, I go to other studios and I travel and I teach other studios and cities and municipalities about yin yoga. And one of the things I hear a lot is that they're afraid that yin will overstretch their tissues. Uh, I could quote one concern from a studio owner from a studio where I taught was, well, we're afraid that it will be harmful if you quote, sit in your joints. And so I understand that this seems truish. If you're holding a pose 
your tissues are going to stretch out sort of like that elastic waistband that we talked about. The elastic waistband on the same pajamas that you've been wearing for the last 10 years, right? That those ratty pajamas. And so that elastic waistband over time, you may notice, gets less elastic. It doesn't return to its previous shape like it did before, right? And so you think, oh, this could happen in my body, in my own joints. I'm afraid not. I'm afraid that is not the case. So we assume that stretching collagen will induce adaptive lengthening, like the waistband. But the difference between the waistband and your tissues is that you have cells. You are a biological entity. You adapt. So what we see actually is not that stretching these collagen-based tissues will adaptively lengthen them. What we see in the research is exactly the opposite. These tissues actually get stronger. These tissues get better at resisting force and more elastic. So what does that mean, more elastic? It doesn't mean more flexible. More elastic means that it gets better at returning to its previous shape, its unloaded position. So when you strain your collagen-based tissues, your fascia, in a yin pose, what's actually happening? What is the lived experience of this from a a tissue mechanics perspective? This is going to get a little bit sciencey, but it's just going to go really, really quick because I actually really do want you to understand this. So stay with me. So normal human movement is between two to 6% strain. So pretty much any activity that you need to do in your daily life is between two and 6%. So you want to bend over to grab the groceries off of the floor. You want to get on the ground and grab something out from underneath your couch. Those types of activities are going to be not even as high as 6%. Your forward fold in your yoga class is maybe getting up to 6%. So what I want you to know is that normal human movement is well within the range of our collagen-based tissues, okay? So when you first come into that caterpillar pose in your practice, you encounter something that we call the toe region in your connective tissues. So these are going to be the connective tissues of your butt, your low back, your hamstrings, and so on, right? So at first, when you first come into that stretch, there's that really satisfying moment of just like feeling it, all of the wonderful sensations. And that toe region is essentially the region of the strain that between that two and 6% strain where those collagen based tissues go from a slightly crimped pattern or configuration to a straighter pattern, right? So imagine you have like some crimped up yarn and then you pull it straight. So that's the first thing that happens when you come into that stretch. And that is really the sweetest moment, I think of a yin pose for me in particular. And while we can't extrapolate and say, oh, this is toe, this is the next region, this is the next region, we do know that this is the first part of a stretch of loading a tissue. The next region is the elastic region. So this is where all those straightened fibers start to yield, where the collagen fibers actually start to sort of pull a little bit. That results in probably a more 
intense subjective experience. So that's moving a little bit deeper into your caterpillar pose, right? Maybe you've been there 30, 45 seconds, you start to move into the elastic region, or if you're pulling, you're going to get there a little bit faster, but I don't recommend that because it's going to happen naturally as your tissues creep. The interesting thing about this elastic region, because as you know, elasticity is the quality of a material to return to its preloaded state, is that the collagen fibers getting a little stretched out means that they can return and that creates potential energy. So the toe region accounts for the first one to two percent of the strain that you experience in your tissues. The elastic region accounts for about three to four percent of collagen strain. Now we're going to move to the plastic region. This accounts for about four to six percent. So now we're moving to the upper range of human movement, if you'll recall. So this is beyond the yield point. This is where the collagen has already stretched out as much as it can. And we're moving into a place where we might experience some micro failures, right? Where we get a little bit of ruptures because we're moving past the natural uh, stretching capacity of collagen. Now, these little micro failures are totally normal. They are normal response to loading our body all day, every day. Our tissues are constantly in a state of both degradation as a result of these little micro failures, but also regeneration, right? So synthesis and degradation are a part of being a biological entity, so just because you've moved to that upper range, that four to 6% of, of strain, that doesn't mean that you could be injured. Although I would imagine that the subjective experience of the plastic region is where things get a little bit more intense. So this would be, you've already been in your pose for quite some time, right? You're getting to the three, four minute mark of that caterpillar pose things are getting a little intense. This is where you start wondering how much longer the teacher is going to keep you in the pose, right? So this is a very normal adaptive response to that sensory capacity of the fascia is telling your brain, hey, <laughs> we're at four to 6%. How much longer are we going to be here? We're beyond the yield point. So this is such a wonderful relationship you have with that sensory capacity of your musculoskeletal system. It sends signals, you interpret those signals. As a yin practitioner, you can choose to stay in that pose despite the signals, stay there calmly with your breath nice and slow, or you can choose to heed those signals and to come out of the pose or to shift. Now, if we get past that 6%, we get to the ultimate fail point. So this is the very end of the plastic region. This is where we get to 8 to 10% of collagen strain. As I mentioned though, before, almost all of your normal movements, even the movements you do in your yoga class, are within that um, 2 to 6% strain. So if you're getting to 8 to 10%, that means that something has happened suddenly. Maybe you slipped on the ice and you accidentally did the splits, right? Or your dog, when you were walking him, you know, pulled very suddenly and you kind of wrenched your shoulder. Those are the kind of traumatic injuries we're talking about at the ultimate fail point. If we're practicing appropriate loading in our yin practice, 
it is extremely unlikely that we will get to that ultimate fail point. So when I teach this material in person, people always assume that this is how we get more flexible via the practice of yin yoga. And I'm afraid to tell you that that is not the case. You see, creep is a viscoelastic phenomenon. So while your tissues may creep into that more lengthened state, they will eventually return back to the resting state, back to the preloaded state. Remember, there's elasticity as well. So if that honey poured off of your spoon, that would just be viscous, right? But if your honey <laughs> had viscoelastic qualities, you'd turn your spoon back upright and it would all just slurp back up into the spoon for you. This is really how extraordinary your fascia is and all of your connective tissues, really. So we don't know exactly how, it lo t how long it takes to creep back. It could take half an hour, maybe an hour after a duration practice, stretching practice for your tissues to really come all the way back to that preloaded state. However, we do know that the benefits of yin and that duration stretch are far beyond flexibility. So maybe we don't get to take that flexibility with us, but oh my gosh, so many incredible benefits are still present as a result of this duration practice. Things like improved blood flow. So after passive stretching training, vascular function and arterial remodeling are improved. Arterial stiffness is decreased. Wow, so cool. And this is in all of the arteries, not just the arteries in the area that was stretched. So this suggests that there are modifications as a result of this practice in both the central and the local blood flow control mechanisms. This comes from a study, by the way, from Bisconti et al. in 2020. But there's more. There's also improved water content. So lymph flow increases thanks to um, external mechanical compressions or muscle contractions. So our lymph system doesn't have an independent pump like our heart moving blood throughout our body. Our lymph system relies on movement for the healthy flow of lymph throughout the body, which is really so important for human health. This duration practice can actually help to improve water content and also improve lymph flow. And then finally, let's come back all the way back to thixtrophic effect. So we know that when we finish a yin practice, we feel, you know, stretched out, right? This is less because we have adaptively lengthened tissues and more because we have influenced the viscosity of our tissues, right? By moving, by warming these tissues up. That's why we feel so open because our tissues are less viscous. They move from a more gel-like state to a more fluid state. And that just feels really, really good. So we do know that this is not reserved just for yin practice. We can reduce the viscosity of our tissues really through any movement practice at all. However, of course, we know that yin yoga has a really beneficial effect on our nervous systems. So we find that 
duration stretching can decrease pain and not just in the target tissue. So what we've seen in research is that if you stretch, for example, your right calf, you might have a little bit of pain reduction in the right knee, the right ankle, but also, for example, in your left shoulder. So again, what we see is that these effects are not just local, but centrally modulated via the central nervous system. While yin yoga may not be capable of stretching out your tissues permanently, we do see that there are a number of really fantastic effects. And so for me, as someone who's been teaching yin yoga for 12 years or more, I would like to see the conversation move away from flexibility and more toward these other important benefits of practice that are available to anyone because yin is such an accessible practice. I hope that this information has given you a little bit more context as to what your experience of fascia is in your body when you're practicing yin. Now, this creep phenomenon is one of many viscoelastic phenomenon that our viscoelastic tissues display. Unfortunately, this podcast would be several hours long if we were going to talk all about all of them, but we'll probably cover these perhaps in future episodes. So if this is a topic that you're really interested in, I would first of all say, get in touch with me. Let me know that you want more episodes about the science of yin or maybe consider doing my yin teacher training. The first module is completely online and this information is in that yin training and a whole lot more, so much more. It's where you can really get a deep dive into the science of yin in a really practical and accessible way as someone who either practices yin or teaches yin. Thanks so much for your interest in yin yoga and your interest in science. Self-care isn't just about getting away or escaping. Self-care is about returning to yourself, honoring your body's vast intelligence and supporting your very, very real needs. It's also really hard. If you're struggling with knowing how to nurture and support yourself for optimal wellness, join me this winter in the beautiful Samana Peninsula of the Dominican Republic. This late winter retreat will introduce you to the pillars of self-care, all while you're revitalizing yourself with daily movement and mindfulness practice, fresh local cuisine, glorious nature, and incredible opportunities to soak up the culture and history of the Dominican Republic. March 3rd through the 10th of 2024 will be here before you know it. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and claim your spot in this incredible wellness retreat.